Welcome to Geek on Film with your hosts, Robbie Holmes and John Hoche. Hey there, folks. This is Robbie Holmes. Uh, welcome to Geek on Film. And that's my friend, John Hoche. <laughs> Let's do this, guys. Welcome back. Uh, just for the record, we've been talking for at least 35 minutes before this, and that is why we've turned into madness and we're absolutely silly. Uh, but we're ready to rock and roll and we're ready to actually start. We're, talking. we're primed, we're greased, and we're <laughs> lubricated and all that stuff. We're ready to talk about movies and television. I mean, this doesn't sound bad at all. Uh, cool. Let's hit uh, this week. I got a few new uh, purchases that I finally landed. Uh, we had talked about uh, last time that I had a thing I was hoping would come in this week, and it did. Uh, I finally got the Witch uh, 4K Collector's Edition from Zavi. Uh, it is one of the coolest uh, collector's editions. Uh, the 4K disc is beautiful. It has a 5.1 uh, uh, a DTS track. But the biggest thing about it is like it looks so good. And it's, it's done um, IMAX ratio on television. So it fills the whole screen, um, which I thought was only for the streaming version. But it seems like they remastered it to be that size. Um, and the sound and the soundtrack and the score are all so atmospheric. I watched the first 20 minutes um, just to spot check the movie. And I was I was blown away by how good it sounds. Talk to me really quick about when things are in IMAX ratio, right? Yeah. So uh, instead of it being 16 by nine, uh, filling the middle of the screen with bars at the top and the bottom, uh, this is filling the entire screen. Basically, when you see like. Um, I don't know if you have Disney plus on your television, but the IMAX enhanced version uh-huh. is when it fills the entire screen. Um, so this is closer to that ratio. I think okay. it's, uh, I think it's like one to one eight nine or, or something like that is the aspect ratio. Uh, I'm not a, uh, television engineer, but I should learn more about it, but there's a specific aspect ratio that fills the whole screen. Okay. Um, or pretty close to it. There's slight black bars on the right and left gotcha. um, and it fills the top and bottom. So, um, but overall what was really great about it is like, you get this like wall of image right. and a wall of sound that goes with mm-hmm. it. Like the five one is so well done, but it's like atmospheric sound, right? Like he's the, the whole family's kneeling in front of the forest when they find the spot that they're going to build their home mm. and it's just discordant violins and strings. And it just keeps getting louder the longer they pray and more uncomfortable and mis- more discordant. So like it's about a 30 or 40 second scene where they're just kneeling and praying. And all you can hear is the horns, uh, the strings, and it's just constantly escalating into this more and more uncomfortable rapture. It's, I mean, it's the really longer you pray, that always happens. Yeah, things. Get I mean, it happens to me. I if I get down on my knees, it's I mean, just immediate like strength. So uncomfortable. It's, it's terrible. Uh, the other one that I grabbed this week uh, that finally came in was uh, there's a brand new release of uh, Heat in 4K. Yeah, uh, which is super exciting. Uh, I didn't realize how much I really loved like Michael Mann's take on sort of the grimy underworld film. Uh, mm-hmm. I rewatched, uh, we'll get to it later, but I, I rewatched collateral when I, as I knew this was coming in, I was like, this is going to be a fun one. Uh, yeah. cause I had never seen it before. Uh, and I realized it was a blind spot for me for Tom Cruise, but he he's 4k is unreal. Like it is sort of, I, you know, I, I know you love that movie. I, I think the bigger one for me is like, they released it and Michael Mann and the director of photography came in and did the 4k 
review and they did the HDR and it's a little desaturated and a little bit more dark than I think the Blu-ray was. If you go back and watch that first Blu-ray that came out for heat, it's got this like blue tinge to it in the Mm -hmm. actual video um, that feels like hyper stylized LA a little bit more like what collateral is doing where it's like this sort of desaturated world. Um, But I think the reality was what he wanted out of heat was everything to be a little bit more toned down um, to, to match that world. I think that's a sort of milieu he likes to work in is this sort of taking, uh, LA and making it feel lived in, uh, in the moment. Uh, and that's why he loved shooting in digital. That's why he moved to digital early on. Like collateral is one of the first films he shot in digital across the board. Um, but like the, the heat 4k, the Steelbook is beautiful. The case is gorgeous. Um, it's a best buy exclusive. Uh, I was able to grab it. Um, and I, I will say this, like I am not paid by Best Buy, but every steelbook I've bought from them comes on time and is in good shape and is packaged well. Well, they so, love, they love the steelbooks. I, I, I literally thought that I thought Best Buy invented the steelbook. Did they invent the steelbook? I don't know. I know that Zavi and a couple of other companies do them. And, and there's a few others out there now in the smaller like production houses. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one that came up this week is, uh, I think jim henson productions Mm -hmm. just signed an exclusive deal with uh it might have been studio canal one of the smaller uh companies to do their their distribution and physical media which i thought was really exciting that there's actually now going to be a production house that will take henson's work and then release it into the physical media world cool Um, but i i was really impressed with the the 4k steelbook it comes with the blu-ray it comes with the digital uh release uh it's like three discs inside the case and, and it's a really beautifully packaged uh, movie across the board. Um, and again, I, I haven't watched the whole thing. Uh, I put up a tweet because I was watching that and collateral. And I was like, I have a hot take. Uh, I think Michael Mann just hates parked cars. Uh, <laughs> he just wrecks more parked cars in, in the two hours I watched collateral in the first 20 minutes of heat than almost any other director across two movies. It's unbelievable how many, how many uh, cars he just takes out like that opening of heat when he hits the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, what is it? The, the money truck, mm-hmm. uh, it, it goes into a used car lot and just demolishes like 20 cars. It's unbelievable to watch it. And it, it's like slow motion. Cause it's this heavy truck that gets pushed into it all. Um, and then the same thing, like, uh, you know, so many cars that get destroyed in collateral just on purpose, uh, or just weirdly across the sides, like Jamie Foxx drives his cab into a couple of cars as he's leaving one of the places. And and I don't know if he was trying to like mark the cars. So they had the color and the paint or what it was, but like these two cars didn't do nothing to you, Jamie. And he like, boom, right into them as he's driving away from a place. So um, are you going to giggle? Are you going to add Miami vice to your Michael Mann? I, I, I think I might be ready at this point. Thing, uh, I watched it years ago and never was that impressed with it. But I feel like, you know, doing this revisit, apparently going through the Michael Manassance uh, myself personally, it might be worth it. Um, I think it, it's probably the most neon of them and will probably set me up well yeah, to Miami, watch. Baby. Well, it'll set me up for Tokyo Vice, which I haven't watched yet, which I feel mm-hmm. like is probably directly influenced by Miami Vice. Right. Um, I was listening to a podcast about Collateral and apparently... Um, Jamie Foxx at the Academy Awards the year before Miami Vice went up to Michael Mann and he was like, Miami Vice, I want to be Croc, I want to be Tubbs, let's do this. And like, it was like, he was just in that right space at the right time where he knew Michael Mann and could be like, let's do it. You help create the show, you know? And uh, so I I am interested to rewatch it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. So, yeah, I feel like uh, 
it's one of those movies that didn't need to be called Miami Vice. It could be called anything else, and it, it still would have been a super solid movie. It's almost, I think it almost deters from the film being called Miami Vice. But yeah. Um, I mean, that was my sort of review last week for, uh, we can, we can jump to a film that you were going to talk about this week, uh, Lightyear. We had talked about it last time. And and my thought was like, this doesn't actually need to be part of the toy story universe. Uh, and I feel like that's, that was my biggest takeaway from that film is like, it's a solid ish film, but doesn't need the overhead and the, it doesn't need to be a part of that space in order for it to have any impact. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, you know, kind of, I don't know, tying it to, the the toy story movies with the toys like it it just didn't work i really feel like this whole um like in the beginning they're like in you know in 1990 whatever you know andy sees a movie and this is that movie i was like mm, i don't i think that was i think that was done after the movie was done or yeah. something happened well chris um, evans even tweeted something that was a little bit contradictory about it when he was talking about taking the role that mm-hmm. you know, this is the this is the purse the story of the of the astronaut that influenced the toy, mm. and so like it's weird that they went back to like this is the film that yeah. inspired the toy line because it, honestly it don't look like no movie I saw in the in the early nineties or right. or eighties <laughs> or whatever that's that would have inspired me. I think if that were really the case and they really went for a genre like period piece, it would have been like really, really exciting. This was kind of like Pixar's version of like Interstellar. Yeah. Uh, and, and the time dilation alone is too much for a kid to get their head around, right? Like, yeah. It, it really is. It, it's channeling interstellar. I think you're yeah. right. That's like the perfect comparison. I mean, I thought visually, I think it looks great. I think it was a departure for Pixar. They were trying to do something different. I think that's cool. If they wanted to do more like adult uh, oriented, um, you know, like CG films, like more power to them, um, you know, but I don't think it needed to be connected to um, Toy Story World. Yeah. I, you know, so. I That's agree. all I got to say about that. I'm, I'm big on that. I think uh, just a couple to tick off for me was like, I, I had a couple of rewatches this week for me. Mm-hmm. My mom was staying with us. So uh, we actually, I, I have the steel book for La La Land. And the last time I watched it was streaming. So I got a chance to finally like bust out the 4K and, mm-hmm. and spend some time. My mom loved it. She like, she loves old music, like standard old school musicals. And she mm-hmm. like, I, I still stand by. I don't understand what the first uh, the first scene is. Like it feels like so disconnected from the rest of the entire film. Like it like we're setting you in this world of like L.A. as a musical environment, but it's not connected to the main story. It's not like it is just a way to entree you to them honking at one another. Like it doesn't feel at all connected to the rest of the story. And I, I feel like it's the only detractor I have. Like, I think it's a beautiful film. There's a lot of things I really like about it, but I'm, I'm, I'm completely mesmerized by going into that film and having to spend the first six minutes with like, highway traffic musical like it doesn't yeah I, I know it sets you in la and and the the mood of being stuck on the highways but like it doesn't feel at all connected to the rest of that movie the rest of that movie is about how amazing la is right like and it feels like it's discordantly put in the right the wrong spot like it is it is telling you the negatives about la and maybe it's because they hadn't met yet but like none of it feels like it it's in the same film it feels like it's in a completely different film yeah, I'm actually not a I'm not a huge fan of that film uh, overall. Like, um, yeah, especially that opening scene in yeah. in traffic and stuff. Um, I just think also it's like it seems, and I could be wrong, but it seems like Ryan Gosling 
created jazz or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, dude, like, let's not talk about a white person creating jazz and stuff, you know, like, uh, so it's, yeah. Um, a lot of people love that movie. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I bet in 4k, I bet it sounded really amazing. Yeah. I think the, the thing that I really loved about it is I feel, um, Gosling feels very out of place in the, the singing and dancing numbers when it's, mm-hmm. when he's, when they're trying to make him the next Fred Astaire is what it feels like. And yeah. he just doesn't seem comfortable as much as like Emma Stone isn't the greatest singer and dancer in my opinion, but she's magnetic, right? Like right. I would watch her do anything, but as soon as he sits behind the piano, Gosling is magnetic. He, he, yeah. like, he's so believable in that, like cool, hip jazz guy, like sitting I believe every aspect of that when he's singing in those moments, I also believe it a lot more, right? Like he just seems way more comfortable sitting on the bench at the piano than he does in spats dancing with Emma. Um, Mm. and and I feel like it really comes across to me after watching it again. Um, but, and, and I, I don't know that there's a better closeout for a musical in a while of that, like last moments where you get to see like her and where she is in her life going into Seb's, and then him seeing the world he could have had if he had done things mm. differently. I just think it's a beautifully like orchestrated ending to a musical film. Um, mm. And you get to see both of them back to back, like, cause the way right. it's actually shot, I just, I love it. I think it's so moving to me and watching it through my, uh, like rewatching it myself, but watching it through my mom's eyes who grew up in the era of musicals. My mom is 82 uh, was pretty amazing. You know, like, yeah, I could imagine um, that being really cool. And I think the, to, to, to continue that, right. We had last time we had seen, uh, Thor, um, love and thunder, my mom. And her takeaway was like, uh, God, he's gorgeous. Uh, this week she was just like, uh, I want to see Top Gun. So I took my mom to see Top Gun, which was like amazing, super fun. Uh, we left the theater and I was like, what'd you think? And she's like, that movie was great. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I have nothing else to say, nothing to add. No, no notes, mom, you know? Um, but it was really fun to get a chance to take my mom to some like modern stuff, uh, that she hasn't been going to see very often. Uh, so it was a fun one for me to revisit and and to watch it again and realize like it holds up like, you know, yeah. Thor Love and Thunder for me was more emotional second round with the family stuff like the mm-hmm. the kids and stuff like that. Uh, Top Gun just across the board, you're just waiting for him to tap into your nostalgia and you realize like there's no waiting. It's it's everywhere. Like the whole movie is like one long nostalgia berry that actually succeeds it's its predecessor, right? Like it is, it is oh my far God. surpassing it, what the original movie did, but you realize like it is, it's just doing everything he's done since then. And also like makes you have nostalgia for those things, but love this new thing. Like it, it's, it's such a successful film. The, the, the more yeah. times I see it, the more I realize that. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm at four times in the theaters and it was great every time. And you know, uh, you know, we can we can probably talk and talk about it for forever. But like, I think for me, it was like there's something very real about like this pilot slash Tom Cruise, this actor who like is the best of the best and is on top of his game. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, like Tom Tom Cruise is getting old and I don't think he thinks he's over the hill. And, and many people don't. I mean, you can you can like they pitched this movie to him on set for 15 minutes and he called up the studio and was like, I want to do it. And they're like, OK, cool. Um, so not many people have that power, but there was like a humility to, um, his character in Top Gun that I really latched onto. I don't know. The goddamn movie's awesome. Well, and I know that, some, you know, some great like gender flipping also like having mm-hmm. her be the cool one at the end yep. leaning against the car, right? Like Absolutely. there's just some really beautiful stuff that I feel like wouldn't have teaching happened. him how to sail right. and it wouldn't have being happened like, earlier oh, in his career. I think he's. Yep. 
he's finally realized that like it's it's not it's a team sport right like mm-hmm. i think he, for a long time he felt like it was it was a, a one-man show that everybody was a part of his film and and i think probably the mission impossible movies taught him like this is a team sport we, we need to come together to make a great film and i'm so glad that they waited as long as they did to make top gun maverick i think if he had made this film five years after top gun it wouldn't have had nearly the impact and it also oh, yeah. We wouldn't have had the camera technology, he, but he also wouldn't be in a position to let this film breathe the way that it does. I think he's yeah. he's grown a lot in, I think, where he is today as opposed to where he was 30 years ago, you know? Amen. Yeah. Um, and just really quick, just to want to touch upon the fact, you know, we were talking about uh, rewatching and and you were talking about Ryan Gosling and I just rewatch or I got to watch. We talked about it last week. Uh, the Gray Man finally. And, you know, like I, I thought it was fine. I think that's like the the <laughs> most I can say about it. It was a fine action movie. Uh, Ryan Gosling, like I know I, I feel like it's something that he, like, you know, he, like he wants to maybe go in, get into the the action genre. And he's like, well, if the Russos are, you know, the Russo brothers, are, you know, have two of the most successful movies of all time. If they want to do a movie, I'm going to do it with them. Um, but it was just, it was just fine. And yeah. I felt like he was a little out of place, but maybe, I, I maybe mean, people latch onto that. Like, I'm not going to try <laughs> at all. And then when I, and it look at like fighting people really does look like a chore. Cause I mean, I get it. Like, you know, probably fighting people all the time is a chore, <laughs> but it, it really looked like a chore when he was fighting them. And then dude, like I, I was really excited for Chris Evans to kind of play this villain thing, but I was like, it's hard, man. I was like, why is Captain America being so evil? <laughs> you know, because he's got he had the same cadence and the same tone and yep. the same stature as as Captain America. And it's like and and I think Chris Evans has depth, you know, vocally when in, in Lightyear, he had depth. Yep. You know, he was very different than I think Captain America, even though it's kind of the same character also. Um, but like in Knives Out, very different to me, yeah. I thought, you know, so this was kind of maybe because he was with the Russos, they were like, dude, just do just just be Captain America, you know, or something. Or I don't be know. A snarkier version of Captain America. Yeah. 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 Because it's like he was Captain America with a different script. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, so yeah, I feel it, like was, it was Gosling was, was fundamentally miscast in this film. I feel like he I brought think this the, was supposed to go to Ryan Reynolds. He, well, he, he, I feel like he, was, he brought he the like La La Land, like tone and tenor of like who he is as an actor, mm-hmm. it, it, that quippy, quiet nature, which also, and, and I had a whole conversation with my mom about this because she couldn't understand why I didn't love the gray man because mm-hmm. she watched it with me. And I was like, mm-hmm. I think the big problem is like, he's a killer right? Like he killed his father and he's a killer and this is what he does. And we're supposed to now sympathize with him because he cared about a girl who is his boss's niece, which why are we humanizing him? Right. He's a kill. He's a killer. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you trying to do with the character? I feel like the, so I don't know that it's Ryan, uh, Ryan Gosling's fault. I think the script didn't know what to do. They wanted a protagonist that we could care about, but they didn't, realize the backstory of said protagonist made it hard for us to care about him. So they just kept putting schlocky shit in front of him that like we were forced to care, like quipping with, you know, on to Armis or like it, none of that felt like it was in line with this like highly trained killer. Mm-hmm. Also, what tells you he's going to be a great killer? Cause he killed his dad when he was 12. <laughs> like th- there's no, there's no montage of him being a badass in prison, right? Like, yeah. None of that. There's So I just feel like I walked away from that film very much like the script didn't do anybody any justice. And it, it's 
it's sad because they had a lot of money and they had really good actors and they had really great like places to shoot this. And I walked away going like, that is like a C minus of a film if I've ever seen one. Like, yeah. you know, it's just, it's so sad because like, it could have been such a great film. And I think it's, it's, I think the script is where I start with there. Like, I just don't feel like it had, it didn't know where it was going. Right. It, it was really just a, 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 like throw a bunch of scripts in a, in a blender and sort of come out with this sort of grayish colored. Oh, material. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Well, and this is, I think this is based off of a novel series, right? So yeah, I think like they're technically, we technically could get more film. of this. Yeah. It's already happening. So more I'm gonna, gray stuff. It's going to be great. I'll, I'll pass and watch Jack Reacher on Amazon <laughs> prime, both uh, the Tom Cruise and the TV show. They're both great. I mean, the Tom Cruise stuff is fun. It's just not that television. I'm going to drink your blood from a boot. <laughs> it's the best line of in cinema. Uh, why don't you jump into something else you've been watching, sir? Um, so uh, unexpected to me, um, we, uh, my wife and I were kind of continuing our uh, We Love Shark movies that might not be of an A quality. Uh, and we stumbled across the Requeen, I think is how you pronounce it. Okay. Um, which I think in... Did they say it in the movie? No, they oh, don't. Um, and I think it means shark in some language. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot to be. Uh, I'm, I want to bring this movie. It to sounds the, like I want to bring this movie to the table because it's kind of hilarious, dude. So this came out last year. No, this came out in 2019. Okay, it stars Alicia Silverstone. Whoa. Okay. And and my wife and I were like, "What the fuck are we watching?" <laughs> so this uh, Alicia Silverstone is she's she's um, a grieving. She's grieving that she. Uh, she miscarried and her and her husband go to Vietnam and they stay at this like, you know, like all the resorts like nowadays have like, um, you know, they have like uh, bungalows on the ocean. You know, that, that's like the thing. Yep. So like a storm, ha- a storm comes by and knocks the bungalow like into the ocean. So then it becomes like the survival movie. And like sharks don't really show up until like, like an hour and 15 Spoilers, minutes into bro. the movie. I mean, no one's going to watch this movie. Let's be honest. Uh, um, but the thing, okay, no, but people should watch this movie because it came out in 2019 and, and, and Alicia Silverstone is Alicia Silverstone. She's like from clueless and stuff. Yeah. And you know, maybe she doesn't do that many movies uh, recently and um, choose. Are you, food and are you saying it, that she wants a vacation and that's, that's I mean, maybe, you know, like it was funny because I like w- while I was while I was watching this, I went down a rabbit hole of like all this kind of questionable uh, child rearing thing she does. Like she chews her food and like spits it into her kids mouths and yeah, her 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 son is. It's I mean, no judgments, no judgments. Yeah. But like, you know, her son is like 13, 14 and they still sleep in the same bed and blah, 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 whatever, whatever, whatever. Anyway, Alicia Silverstone is in this movie and it's like her performance is bonkers. It's <laughs> like she got the script as she's filming it. Like someone's feeding her <laughs> lines and they're like, do this and be angry or something. But it, yeah, it's just like cuckoo bananas, weird. <laughs> I'm kind of happy I watched it. Um, there's... I'm finding that I there are no, there's there's fewer joys in life than watching a shark a bad shark movie with my wife and seeing us both kind of get into it. Um, so yeah, um, 
It's on Hulu. <laughs> uh, uh, the director is, uh, I believe, the director is Vietnamese. And uh, we were talking about this before, but he is also the director of The Princess, which is a movie that uh, we should probably check out for the podcast that's also on Hulu. So I'm wondering if like, they're like, he, like, I'm wondering if Hulu was like, please do this movie and then we'll release, we'll like stream your other movie or I don't know, whatever. Yeah, Who yeah. knows? Anyway, it's crazy. It's, 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 it's strange. There's there like when the shark, oh my God. And then like, there's such bad, there's such bad, like blue screen and green screen. Um, like, and there's such bad CGI. It's, it's, it's actually, now that I'm talking about it, it's a, it's a really quality, good B movie. It's a uh, really just, good one to get. Record, we've talked about doing video and, and I almost wish we were doing video right now. So you could see John's <laughs> eyes sparkling. As I'm he's getting excited about, about talking about like this he's movie. So I can't even pronounce. Up. Like it's pretty amazing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I think, I think you, I think you and your wife should check out the Requeen if even that's how I'm pronouncing it correctly. <laughs> Um, and get back to me on, on how much you loved it. Yeah. It's, it's like crazy weird. How did, it's like one of those, like, how did this get made? And are you sure it's not made from like, did like high school kids sort of like, like blackmail Alicia Silverstone <laughs> to make a movie with them. And then they just like went on their family vacation and then just like did a bunch of compositing and CGI. And it's, it's crazy, dude. Actually, now that I think about it, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I want to revisit, uh, like I had mentioned, my mother was staying with me. So I put on The Lost City because I feel like mm -hmm. that's the type of movie that could work with my mom. Um, I will, I have nothing to add except so many of the jokes actually happen without them looking into the camera. So you realize just how much of it is 80 yard because oh, wow. my mom was missing some of the jokes and I would have to pause and say like, you know, uh, and, and just sort of reconcile with her because she was missing what was being said. And I realized just how many times I did that throughout the movie is like, wow, this is a movie where they like rewrote it in edit. And, and mm -hmm. a lot of the jokes are added after the fact. Oh, um, wow. And, and I didn't realize that the first time because it, it wasn't something that I, I was reckoning with in the moment, but watching it with my mom, I was very much like, wow, I realized just how much ADR is happening in this film. Um, and how much of the actual joke material is ADR? Interesting. You know, and you it, wanna, it's so much fun. For the, for the listeners, do you want to give a quick a quick, uh, quick synopsis of what the law is? Yeah, so is? ADR is when uh, they record, re-record the audio after the fact um, in post-production. So either the audio was too low and the person then rematches what the original script said, or if they have a scene where they feel like they need to punch it up in a film, they will record a new joke or a new line when the person's not facing the camera. Um, and that will allow them to like punch up a script after it's been shot. So in reality, I feel like, I don't know, a good 20% of this film is like 80 yard, like not facing the camera. Um, so many of Sandra Bullock and, and, uh, jokes, it, her, her jokes specifically, I feel like were after the fact, but you know, e everybody's really across the board, but yeah. like, I really noticed it with hers. Like she's so little of what she actually says. You can see her face while she says it. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, and I think a big giveaway, so I'm just like looking over. So a big giveaway for this, I think is. I bet they wanted this to be an R-rated comedy and they're like, no, we can't do it. So it has to be PG-13 to make more movie, uh, make more money. Yeah. So then anytime there's like a swear or a curse or like a joke based on something not so cool. Yeah. 
not so cool being not so R-rated, then a lot of times that's when like ADR also happens. Um, I'd like um, it's it's more in the editing and stuff, but that also happened with like Galaxy Quest. Like Galaxy Quest seemed like it was going to be. I I love that movie, and yeah. I think it's <laughs> it's perfect as it is. As as I think it's PG thirteen, but whatever. Yeah. But as an R as an R movie, it it you know it would have been Ghostbuster level. Yeah. Well, I uh, uh, on ratings. I, I don't know if you've been to the AMC in a while, but they're putting Jaws in IMAX this year. Yeah, uh, and it, it literally puts up the review, the the actual rating beforehand, and it's it's PG. I'm, I'm sitting in an IMAX theater today to watch the film we're going to review, and as big as my body is the letters PG, and then it cuts to the Jaws trailer, and I'm like. I forgot. I, I forget every time that that movie was before PG thirteen was a thing. Yeah, because before that movie should have been an R. Doom. Like it yeah. should have oh, been yeah. an R for sure. Um, and yeah. it opens up like it's literally back to the opening where she's naked in the ocean, and and I'm like, I, I can't believe a this is in the trailer. Like it's definitely fuzzed out. Like there's not a lot of detail, but like you realize so quickly that that movie is not a PG film. And right. I, it blows my mind every time I see it, but like having it thrown in my face today, because I was like, I, I, I don't, I've never seen Jaws in the theater. This, I see, you know, IMAX might be really cool. And then I was oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, it's PG. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Different time, man. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so we should jump into, uh, you've got at least one more film to cover or two films left, and then we can jump into what we watched this week. Um, yeah, I mean, I can, uh, the, the last thing that I definitely wanted to talk about, um, before we get into our ma- main review is um, this this uh, past week, um, Joe Coy's um, first ever movie came out uh, called Easter Sunday. And uh, for those who don't know, Joe Coy is a um, half Filipino comedian. Uh, he is amassing a lot of popularity. Uh, he was going to have uh, he was uh, he he had a TV show that was being optioned, but I think it's uh, been dropped at the moment, but hopefully that comes back. Anyway, this is like his first foray into starring in a movie, headlining a movie. And, you know, it's it's very near and dear to me because, it, you know, it's based off of a Filipi- his Filipino family. I'm half Filipino. Um, and, um, you know, it's an, it's a it's a solid movie. It, you could definitely tell that um, it's his first movie and he wants to get it right really bad or really. Uh, yeah, he wants so bad to get to get it right. Um, you know, it, it's got some issues. I think, I think performance wise are fine. Story wise is fine. I think like it, I think that it's edited really weird. Sometimes it's kind of choppy here and there, but I really enjoyed it. Um, it's just, you know, Joe Coy and his son go, you know, go back to, uh, his mom's house for Easter Sunday, family, fun and you know clashes here and there and and colorful relatives um you know it's it's your typical going back to the holiday but with a filipino lens which i think is important um and you know like i could i could sit here right now and like just be like it's the greatest movie ever everyone needs to see it representation matters and yes that i i i am on i stand with that but also like just to be i i have to to my own self be true. I have a lot of friends in this movie actually who are actors and they did all great jobs and I'm very proud of them. I think the movie is fine. Yeah. Um, How was seeing Tia Carrera back on a big screen? You know, 
fine. I mean, yeah. uh, I think um, for me, it was really exciting to see Lou Diamond Phillips, honestly, yeah. uh, on the screen. Um, you know, he's, he's been doing a lot of television, but this is actually the first time that he's ever gotten to play Filipino. And he yeah. is indeed half Filipino. Um, and he talks. And, and, and that's the thing. I think, um, you know, Joe Coy, like he's like, if this is the only I don't know if he said this, but if this is the only movie he makes, he wants to get some points out there. And, you know, yeah. he talks about how, like, you know, because he's a stand up comedian in the movie and he's going up for a pilot and they're like, can you can you do a, you know, like a, an accent? And he's like, well, the guy's from Colorado, like the, the person he's auditioning for. He's like, oh, we, the, he's from Colorado. So should I do like a Colorado accent? He's like, no, no, save that one. Um, You know, what else do you know? And, you know, so like they he in the movie, he's like up for a big career defining role on a sitcom if he does a cliche Filipino accent. And he's like he's like really conflicted the whole movie trying to get like, what should I get this part? Should I not? Um, and that's real. That's I've I've dealt with that as an actor, too. Um, yep. You know, I've been asked to be more ethnic or more urban or, you know, and it's or, you know, like, oh, cool. I'm going up for yet another, you know, terrorist or computer nerd or computer terrorist. Um, <laughs> so like this stuff's real. And it's and not only that, it's like, um, yeah, there's like a lot of Filipino quirks in it that that you haven't gotten to see in a movie before, you know, cause I, I loved crazy rich Asians, but Asia's big guys. Like, <laughs> you know, we can't all be represented and I fully support, you know, crazy rich Asians because again, representation matters and we need more movies like that. But you know, there were no Filipinos in that movie. So I was like, I'm happy for as being Asian. I'm happy that this is getting made. And like with Easter, you know, Easter Sunday, I'm like, my God, this is a Filipino centric movie. Yep. The actors that I know in this are Filipino. And the cool thing was I was sitting watching it and I'm like, I could recast that role with like three other Filipino actors, not to say that the actors that they cast were not right for the part, but there's a lot of us out there and we're just not getting the opportunities to make these kinds of movies. So, um, something that John Leguizamo said today, cause I think I, I'm not current but like he's got some beef i think with like james defranco or something like that james, yeah james anyway. franco is, is being cast as um uh, uh a latin american man right uh fidel castro i think oh god are you yeah. serious yes good lord so anyway yeah so on john Leguizamo's instagram account you know he he was talking about how like white people get to make white movies that fail and they keep getting to make them but then if one Latino, well, or if there's a Latino movie and it fails, we're done. And that's not fair. And we need him saying that Latinos need the right to make movies, to make movies. If they fail, they fail, but we need those opportunities. Yep. That's kind of how I feel about Easter Sunday. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's a failure, but I'm saying it's a, it's a solid family going back home to your roots movie. Yep. And I thoroughly enjoyed it and had a smile on my face and I hope it's the beginning and much love to all my friends who are in it and much love to Joe Coy for being, you know, for, for being such a good, uh, figure for the Filipino culture. 
Um, but we need to have more of these movies. And I think if this is just the beginning, then we're off to a good start. Yeah, I think everybody needs to support it. I mean, Joe Coy as a comedian is is hilarious. Like, I'm a big fan of comedy podcasts in general. And Joe Coy is like one of the greatest people to get on a comedy podcast because he is frenetic and funny and fast. And yeah, like it's it's the same thing as like supporting Nope, right? Like I want more Jordan Peele films because I want more of, of what he's going to do in like his filmography over the next 15 years is going to be interesting, right? Yeah. If Joey Coy, Joe Coy gets to make more films, I can only imagine when Joe Coy gets a chance to like pivot away from the smaller like family comedy and into something more dramatic. I can imagine Joe Coy becoming a very important piece of the acting milieu that you, when you're looking to somebody who's a person of color, not just somebody who's Filipino, just someone who's not white. I think Joe, mm-hmm. Joe Coy is so quick witted and so charming and effervescent on, on everything I've ever seen him in. I would love to see him get to do more, you know? Yeah. Um, like uh, he's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he, wants this career but like if i feel like he could like kind of he's look he's gonna he's gonna forge his own way and i'm sure he wants to and i'm kudos to him for that but like if he if he you know like i feel like he could do like a steve carell kind of path where like it'll lead to some more serious stuff but then also bounce back to comedy and things like that yeah um he's a great guy and people should see the movie so yeah i think it's it's really interesting it's um definitely one of the ones this week, I'm probably my next film is probably going to be Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. But after that, I think if Easter Sunday is still around, it's definitely mm-hmm. one that's on my radar for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so let's jump over to what we. Uh, well, you have one last film. Do you want to touch on that real uh, quick? It's okay. Yeah, it's it's not. We can just keep. We can sally forth we've been right. we've been gabbing on for about half an hour so. great so i'll jump over to what we watched on television this week i'll quickly hit on loot is fantastic uh episodes eight and nine i i ticked off this week um it, it's unbelievable to see a show that hits on uh who you know every character and their motivation by episode three of an ensemble piece like it, the first episode is not really i stand by this is not really representative of what the show is it has way more heart than that first episode let you on to. But once you pass episode one, which sets up the entire universe, you are, you are really like neck deep in emotions and caring and real people. And it's unbelievably cool that you can have this, this depth of comedy in a show with this much feeling and emotion. It's so smart and fun and playful. And I I'm very interested in, in seeing where it lands. It's uh it's lewd. It's on eight, Apple TV. Um, and I think there's uh episode 10 comes out this week, Thursday or Friday this week. So um, it's, it's a show that my wife will say, is there a new loot that it's oh, saying nice. something, which is really cool. Like she's out Destination ahead of it. television. We need yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, for you, let's jump over to one of your televisions. Yeah. So I, my wife and I uh, just on kind of on a whim started watching paper girls, which is on prime video. And that's I'm based so excited. I, I, I love the comic it's based on. It's so beautiful. Yeah, so so this is based off of a comic book by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang, I think, uh, did the art. I I haven't read the comic. Um, so and um and watching the show, I, I can't I do not I can't fathom how how this is like I tried to be like break things down into like panels and yeah. and dialogue. I was like with dialogue, I'm like, how does this how does this work with as a comic? But um, but it's a really enjoyable show. Uh, it's a, it follows uh, four paper girls that are in the early, no, I think it's 80s. Yeah, early 90s. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, and they're, they're these four paper girls. It's kind of, so I think it's like Babysitter's Club meets Stranger Things yep. is kind of, 
uh, that's like kind of the the elevator pitch that I would give. Sure. Um, it's 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 really enjoyable. I'm we're only uh, like four four uh, episodes in. We just uh, so there's t- there's these paper girls. There's time traveling involved, um, but uh, we're like I'm I'm still getting to know all four of the paper girls, and they're all really well cast. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah. And I think Brian K. Vaughn's uh, comics haven't really had good luck on television. I no. hope this is the one that breaks it. Um, Why the Last Man, you know, I kind of enjoyed, but, you know, didn't uh, didn't get a second season. Yeah, I think um, my, my problem with Brian K. Vaughn is his his writing is so genuine, evocative and, and vulnerable that yeah. like the Why the Last Man that they put on Hulu was a little too hard edged. Mm. Like, so the characters didn't have the, the level of empathy that I think was needed. Like his sisters, the character of his sister was not as like, you didn't want to be in her, in her ballpark. You didn't Mm want to be rooting for her. And I feel like she is the foil to Yorick's like wide eyed, like naivety, like, and, and, and she's not very likable in the television show. And that really sucked because yeah. in the comic, she's a huge reason why you keep coming back to like York doesn't suck because his sister thinks he's okay. Right. Um, exactly, and and yeah. I, the whole time I was watching the show, I'm like, God, York is terrible and his sister is also terrible. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I didn't love that adaptation. I also know that trying to redo what Brian did, which was very specifically to the time period, didn't align as well. I, I feel like they ended up rewriting the original script around mm-hmm. modernization because setting it back in the time period when it was made would have felt would have made it feel out of date and antiquated in the in our current modern sensibilities, um, and I think that's that that really hurt it. I think um, honestly, I just think it needed. I, I wish they had been brought they had brought in Brian to sort of smooth re smooth all the scripts and make them more what his work is, which is like empathetic, caring. Like if you've ever read Pride of Baghdad, right? It's about the story of animals in a zoo in Iraq during war. And uh, if it's, Pixar wants to make a movie, Oh my God, it's the movie they should make for yes. adults. Uh, honestly, DreamWorks, it, it seems like it's, it's natural fit for more of a DreamWorks, like a little darker, sure, but you know, but yeah, I think if Pixar took it on, that would be unbelievable. I would, I would pay lots of good money to see that. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, as far as, as far as paper girls go, uh, like from what you just said, uh, you do have empathy for all the girls. I think I think it's really good. Uh, Ali Wong is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's no spoiler because uh, it's, it's in, in the, the trailer. it's in the trailer. But um, one of the paper girls in the future meets her, the, her future self, and it's Ali Wong. And and um, you know, her future hasn't turned out the way she wanted it. But um, but it's really great. And I, you know, I I do kind of enjoy you know, this breaking of the, uh, the stereotype of you, like, you can't know too much about your future. Like they flat out just like sit down and like, what happened? Why are you like <laughs> this? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, this happened and this happened. And there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of that in the show so far. And it leads to a lot of like emotional depth within the characters. There's like kind of like a rough around the edges, tomboyish, uh, paper girl, and um, so far in the in the episodes that we've seen, her story is really intriguing. And um, at first you're like, God, just I hope she dies first. And <laughs> like, oh, no, she's really great. 
So uh, highly recommend checking it out. I think from one comic book piece of material to the next, Sandman is on Netflix. We've both watched the first episode. Uh, I think John's now watched one. I've watched the first two. Um, I, I am a, I'm, I couldn't be more on board with Sandman. I have the key to hell tattooed on my shin. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that Sandman is one of the seminal works that proved to people that comic books could be for adults. <clears throat> I, agree. I, I love the comic book. Uh, I showed it to John. I have the leather, the silver leather bound edition signed and numbered by Neil Gaiman. It's like one of my prized possessions in my comic book collection. Um, and I think this version of it is fantastic. I, I like, I was like jumping out of my skin as they went to the dreaming the first time and flew mm-hmm. through that world. I, I could not get over um, how amazing it was. And then uh, another note that if you haven't paid attention to it, uh, WTF with Mark Marin had Neil on uh, to talk about this. And he said uh, when they cast the, the gentleman who plays Morpheus, uh, they, uh, what's his name? Tom, oh, what's his name? Uh, Tom Sturridge, he said, I can't wait for you all to see him because he's going to be a star. Like this show is going to make him a giant star because he's perfect. He, he looks like, like Neil Gaiman asked a sculptor to create Morpheus. Like it's unbelievable how believable he is. He's awkward in the way that he walks. He's stilted in the way that he talks. Right. If you go back to the comic book, all the uh, all the the fonts that are used when 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 uh, Sandman himself talks is a little bit off in there. Italicized. I I feel like he is so unbelievable and perfect casting. Um, I got to the second episode, so I uh, haven't yet made it to hell, which we all know is happening uh, because of the amazing casting of Lucifer. Uh, But that is the next episode. It's like right there. uh, And I'm slow rolling this as much as I can. Um, screw you Netflix for dumping it all at once. I, I want to languish in this world. So my wife and I have been watching them one at a time and she keeps going. Do you want to watch the next one? And I'm like, no, no. Well, that's, uh, that's a good point though. Cause I, so I'm not, I like when I first started getting into comics in the early, 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 early nineties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sam, I was in single, single issues and everything like that. And, um, everyone was like, dude, if you want to be a grown up and you want to be cool, <laughs> you got, you got to read Sandman <laughs> or like, it's the comic that like every creepy comic book owner, like a pretty girl would come in and be like, Oh, you don't know what comics are. Uh, maybe you like Sandman <laughs> and maybe, the, and they usually did. Um, so, but I, like I was, I mean, I was more of a swamp thing guy, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but um, I mean, you, I do, you, you liked I do it before appre- their first album came out. I, I get it. It's yeah. cool. It's cool. <laughs> but I, I do appreciate, I do appreciate the impact that, um, that the comic book did for the comic book industry and everything like that. Um, the opening of this, like I was, I was floored, like hearing, you know, hearing Morpheus, AKA the Sandman, narrating and and kind of setting the world up i was floored and like the visuals i was like yo this is like this is like amazon prime money we got here you know i was like this this is almost you know this is almost lord of the rings amazon prime budget here um i i i'm not sure i'm i'm gonna stick with it but i'm not sure how and how eagerly i'm gonna jump to the next episode just because it's a little slow for me um I, I feel like it's like kind of Doctor Who-y and maybe that's just like 
ethnocentric of me to say because it's like it seems very British. Um, but I, I like Doctor Who better, um, <laughs> you know, but but I'm I'm psyched that this is coming out. I'm I'm a little I'm a little bummed that because because knowing that there's a show like Lucifer that I really loved out is out there. I'm a little bummed that he's not in this as well. And I know that would have been like totally been a little weird. Um, well, I think what's interesting is like, you know, Neil Gaiman used Sandman as this entree to be able to write any story he wanted to tell. Right. He created this universe where gods exist, where his gods exist, the endless, the gods exist across all different religion. And, it, you know, like the final some of the final issues of Sandman is like inspiring Shakespeare to write The Tempest. Right. Like, right. right, right so yeah. he got a chance to like dip in and out of like literature, like religiosity, myths and the comic book world. Like the original comics actually hit further into the DC universe and yeah. sort of grounded a little bit more that it could have been part of the DC world. For those of you that are not super familiar with it, like Sandman was released under the Vertigo imprint, which was the sort of a more adult imprint of DC comics, but they often will at least acknowledge DC comics in some way, shape or form, because that was, a, they, there was always a possibility of a crossover event where they could be a part right. of it. They would, they would also take like, like failing DC characters and like revitalize them. Like, like, it, like I said, Swamp Thing, Animal Man. Yeah. Uh, these were characters like, you know, like that were not doing so well in like the commercial milieu. And now um, in Vertigo, they could really kind of turn them into something different, which is very cool. And the first 75 issues are actually under the DC Comics world. And then they moved to the Vertigo imprint. So it was it was one of the things that I think helped land Vertigo as an imprint. It was mm -hmm. this sort of more grown up comic book. Um, but I think what's really amazing about it is, um, that like, this is a story that has been desperately being chased for a long time to be made into a movie, a television show. It's like one of, it's like one of those un, yes. unfilmable things. You know, um, there are a few things that people are like, 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 like Dune is supposed to be unfilmable, right? You need, uh, you need a Denny, Denny Villeneuve to have a chance, yeah, right? You know, like this is supposed to be unfilmable. Uh, Watchmen arguably still, I mean, depending on who you talk to is like an unfilmable thing. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, there are like, a, a, there are things in literature that are unfilmable and this is kind of supposed to be one. Well, of them. And I think that what's interesting is hearing Gaiman talk about it. He talked about the fact that like he got summoned to the head of a production company and they, it was like, while Sandman was still going, it was in the thirties and issues. And he mm -hmm. specifically said like, please don't try to turn this into a television show because I need this to succeed. And if I have to pivot and have like two masters, the show and right. the comic, it won't work. And literally like the person said to him, like you're the first creator that's ever told me not to make something based on their stuff. But like, I think he loves this world so much because it's his baby um, that the fact that this is being made and he actually is helping oversee it is the only reason this is working. And is, Oh yeah. But also like, and money, I mean, they have the money. Yeah, to that's do what it I was going to say, you know, but, but not only that, but I mean, kudos, I mean, to me, kudos to Netflix for, letting him in the room. Yeah. Cause they didn't have to let him in the room. No, but it's smart that they did. And it's smart that they have him as a resource. Well, and I think one, um, one last I, note I would say is like, it's really interesting. This is a Warner brothers television show and it's got the Warner brothers like heading. Yes. On it, and it's also a Netflix produced show. So you've right. got two major companies. I can't believe that this Warner brothers material is on Netflix. I think it's such an interesting piece of this world. Yeah. Well, well, 
I'm I wonder, I mean, currently, like in the state of what H- I don't know where HBO Max is going. Yeah. Um, but I could see where like this all of a sudden leaves, maybe leaves Netflix and goes over to HBO Max. But now with the new regime that they have, maybe that's not the case. No, I think um, they want to leave it at Netflix. That's what, you, what what John's alluding to is there was a big investor call that just came out this last week, right? Uh, Discovery, uh, Discovery and HBO and Warner Brothers are all one big company under the CEO of Discover. Um, and that is, there was a lot said in that collector's call, which is, uh, they just shelved, you know, the Batgirl movie, which is not great for anybody. Millions of dollars, like just spent and not going to be the saddest part is, and I have, I like went on a rant the other night with my wife and she's just like, I get it. You care. Um, but like, (laughs) (laughs) this is a movie that is like $90 million in, Uh, it's not just the, the people at the top. It's not just the directors. There's like thousands of people that have worked on this and it means they don't get to collect that on their resume. Right. Because it didn't get out in the public. So they can well, say I mean, they worked on it, but like, yes. there's nothing to prove the work they did. Like if you were an effects person, if you were a costumes person, sure, right? Like sure, that sure. stuff is now just lost. Right. And yeah. I feel so bad. It's like, it's not just the top line people. It's, it's the thousands of people that make these movies happen that are all affected by a choice like this, which is to shelve a film rather than putting it in theaters because it's a tax write off as part of a, you know, a giant monolithic company reorganization and acquisition. Um, So it's not about the art. It's about the actual bottom line and the taxes of the corporation. Yeah. I'm sure we can talk about that in depth more. Um, Um, Let's hit on one last thing before we head into our final reviews today. What about uh, Harley Quinn? Yeah. Speaking of HBO, HBO max um, Harley Quinn is in its third season. This is a animated uh, television show that follows uh, Joker's um, girlfriend, but not anymore. Um, Harley Quinn. Um, it's uh, it's per, it's Kaylee Cuoco is the voice of Harley Quinn. She also, I believe, is uh, like the head producer on the show. Um, this show pulls no punches. It's a joy to watch. I love the take on all of the villains as well as the good guys. It's a it's kind of, you know, lampoons them a little. It's a little satirical. And I think the coolest thing is I, I I believe this is this show is kind of where the actual relationship between Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn developed. And now, you know, they're transitioning that over into comic books as well. Nice. And I think that's great. Um, the third season. So a lot of stuff. I don't know. Do you watch the show? I have not watched it. I, I hear it's amazing. Uh, it is everything you want out of a adult themed comic book based cartoon. Yeah, it's like an adult. It's an adult cartoon firing in all cylinders in all the best ways. A lot of stuff. A lot of crazy stuff happened uh, as the season finale in up for season two. So it's hard to kind of pick up the pieces and go from there. Uh, so I'm kind of like, I think they're trying to figure that out in the first early episodes of season three. Yep. That's at least what I feel as I'm watching it. Um, but you know, it's, I was excited when they were like, Oh good. Season three is here. And now this might be the last season because of what we were talking about previously with, uh, HBO max, not, uh, having any original content, maybe possibly. 
We shall so. see. I'm, I'm a little concerned about what this means for a lot of the things we really care about. HBO if Max don't get went a- from a joke of a streaming service when it was originally incepted to us, to, for me being maybe the second uh, in the in the streaming world, a, mm-hmm. a, a tight second, really, when it comes down to it, too, between them and Apple TV Plus, right? Like, I watch a ton of things on there, but mm-hmm. Netflix has, has kept their sort of ability to be important and relevant. Yeah. Um, as you see right now with Sandman coming out, right? Like, um, but yeah, I'm really sad to that we may lose another vehicle for all this amazing material to make it to our our television screens. If we don't get a Peacemaker season two, <laughs> I'm going to riot. I will, even if it's just me. I mean, you know, if, if we're talking about rioting, we should probably move on to our main reviews. Uh, I guess we, so. We were going to do one review, but we decided uh, neither one of us liked that movie enough to really review it. <laughs> um, so let's jump into uh, what was going to be the main review. Uh, uh, the film is Bullet Train, and uh, I would love to hear your thoughts, John. Oh, so Bullet Train is supposedly the final movie for Mr. Brad Pitt. Apparently... He is going to retire after this movie. Uh, I thought that I thought he was going to retire after um, the Quentin Tarantino movie, but apparently not. Um, so this this is from the director of Deadpool 2, which uh, had, you know, incredible action sequences in it. And this also has incredible action sequences in it. Um, I'm going to try and talk about all the, the things the good things first. Okay. Um, it's got great action. Um, the performances are pretty solid. Um, I think honestly for me, um, uh, Brad Pitt is fine. You know, he's Mm -hmm. fucking Brad Pitt. Like he can do anything to be honest. Um, I've enjoyed him in maybe almost everything that he's been in, in his entire career. I thought that Aaron Taylor Johnson was a big standout in this movie. I really enjoyed him. And I really enjoyed Brian Tyree Henry. Yep. I forgot that he actually isn't a Brit. Correct? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. But I, 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 I want the spinoff prequel movie of Tangerine and Lemon. I, absolutely. Like if they're going to make another movie in this space, pretty please with sugar on top. I, I want from from them as children all the way up through the train. Yes. Um, uh. I know that people are like giving bad bunny flack for like transitioning out of like the music uh, world into like acting and stuff. But dude, I don't know if anybody has checked out uh, his performance and I mean, wrestling performance, at, I believe WrestleMania. Uh, he was awesome. And I mean, he commits to what he does. and He was really solid in this too. With very few lines in this film, I was mesmerized. His storyline was one of my favorites in the entire film, to be honest. I felt yeah. like he was believable. I felt like every moment that they gave that character another badass aspect of his clothing that he took from killing a person, I was mm-hmm. invested. Like it, from the time that he, he was given the wolf head as a child till he got on the train, I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what else is, I'm trying to think of all the positive. So yeah, um, there are good action there. Are, there's fantastic fighting sequences in this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is so, so I, I, I almost have to divide myself. So if I'm basing, if I'm basing my, my review and my grading system on that, this is a pretty solid movie. 
I'd give it maybe a B plus. That being said, this movie takes place in Tokyo. This takes it takes place honestly in Japan, and there are quote unquote two supporting characters, if you can even call them that. That like they do have a a stronger part in the end of the movie, but they're they're it really. Um, there's like maybe also a, a small part of another Japanese person. And then, and then uh, Masioka is in this for a, a hot second. But the and, fact and that Karen, this movie. And Karen Fukuhara. Right. The from the boys, girl. right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. <laughs> like maybe one of the most charismatic, like you can't get a stronger actress who barely says anything in yep. a super successful show. Yep. And you like, why wasn't she? Why wasn't she the character of the girl who was in Deadpool two? Yeah, or Prince. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I mean, he, so now I'm going to open it up now. So this this movie's based on a book about, uh, and it's written by a, a, a Japanese author. It takes place in Japan on a Japanese bullet train, and man, oh man, there are barely any Japanese people in this, except for the. Even the people, even the people who are sitting in the chairs as extras who get like two lines aren't even Japanese. They're like the whitest, white, annoying white ladies possible. Yeah. He, um, the Karen you're talking about that is really annoyed with their noise when they're having the fight yes. in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why that wasn't a person who was represent like that was the perfect place to, to cast a character actress from Japan. Right. Like, yeah. So, and look, I, and I know like, you know, this is an American movie. It's made in America. I like, you know, when, when things like, when things like Scarlet, you know, like when things like Ghost in the Shell come out and Scarlett Johansson is cast and here in America, we're like, what the fuck are you guys doing? But then in Japan, everyone's <laughs> like, they're like, well, in Japan, everyone's excited for Scarlett Johansson because yes, because representation falls differently in country, different countries. So maybe this movie is going to be huge in Japan. I don't know. But in America, dude. We need more representation. The uh, the fact that like Michael Shannon is the big bad in this movie, and he's like a a yakuza boss who wears like a, a kimono and has like a, a sam you know a samurai sword and has like a, a sword fight, and uh, you know he's like the the bad you know westerner who came and whatever. No bullshit. Fuck that. <laughs> like you should have just had it been. Like a Japanese actor, and yeah. it should have just been a Yakuza boss. I don't like whoever whoever dropped the ball in in the representation of this movie. Go fuck yourself. Well, I think the interesting thing is the 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 person who wrote the book said that he's excited that the movie is going to be made with a, a, a lot of Hollywood stars as part of it, so it would get made with more money. So that was his like feeling about it was. He, when when the representation argument came up to the to the writer of the book, uh, Kataro uh, Is Isaka, he said that he was happy that Brad Pitt signed on to be a part of this, and that there was all this other large money coming in from Hollywood because of all these people. But I agree, like I I was I, I could not believe how little representation there was, even if we were going to have all these people. Like, would as much as I love Tangerine and Lemon. Wouldn't it have been cooler if it was like a Japanese man and an Eastern Asian man, like maybe from India? Maybe that was the like 
mixed pairing, right? Like, I think there could have been so many other options here for more representation that well, they could yeah, have gone and, through. Absolutely. And all, and you know, like, and all, and, um, I mean, I'm assuming in the book, everyone's Japanese, right? I believe so. I haven't yeah, read it. So that's, that's the, that's the issue there. Like the thing with, with lemon and tangerine, like, I think it's cool because, you know, um, one actor is white and one actor is black. So I, and there's representation brothers. there. And yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I, I, I can applaud that. And I think that's cool, but dude, fucking, you know, like, and I don't want to take away I, a role I, from any of the amazing people that were in this, right? Like, right. I love Zazie beats and I was so excited to see her show up when she did. And it was a surprise to me. I didn't even realize I hadn't looked up the cast list and I was like, right. yeah, I, I mean, that's awesome. Uh, give me more Zazie beats in anything, you know, like, um, yeah. but I will say the, the thing for me, no matter how we go down this rabbit hole, this movie to me was all icing and no cake. I, I mm. literally felt like I sat there and in the first 20 minutes was like, are we going to get to something that I'm going to be able to sink my teeth into that I'm going to care about? I was bored by this movie by the 40 minute mark and I couldn't mm. get past that. And I am a guy who really likes quirky, fun Brad Pitt. And and he, every time we came back, the, every 10 to 15 minute scene had two minutes that made me laugh and mm -hmm. like 12 yeah. to 13 minutes where I was just like, can we get to the next scene so we can get to something more interesting? And and that's terrible. Like it, I felt so frustrated by this film because I saw it in IMAX, right? Like this is, yeah. It, this bumped Nope out of IMAX, right? Like it. People are saying like the trailers that I've been hearing on the radio and and on and on streaming services when they have commercials and stuff. It's like this is the movie that's going to get you back into the theater. I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, dude, no, no, no. Let's sit down. Top Gun is the movie that you go back to yes. the theater for. I mean, I could have, I totally could have just like been watching this on, on at home. A hundred percent. The thing, but the, oh, sorry, really quick though. Just, you know, I mean, I've, I, I feel okay if I'm harping on the representation thing, but like, don't exotify. It's like, we're, we're done exotifying Asian culture and yep. Asian cultures, you know, like, um, it, 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 it just doesn't need to be happened. Like this movie, everyone's got a fucking British accent. There's barely any Asian people and there's barely any Japanese people in it. Dude, this could have been any train movie. It There was no reason to me for this to be a bullet train. This could have been a fucking train in Europe. You know what yeah. I mean? This could have been, you know, like showdown on the Orient Express yeah. from Agatha Christie. <laughs> Totally. You know what I mean? Like it could have been some weird Anglo train, whatever, you know? And if you haven't figured out like some of the things that are dead giveaways in the trailer, like, you know, who Brad Pitt's handler is by their voice. Uh, it's supposed to be a giveaway at the end of the, you're, you've spent two hours with this person. One of the most recognizable actresses in America. Like uh, mm -hmm. if you're surprised by this, I don't know how to help you. Like it also, well, was, again, didn't yeah. feel like anything special. Like it was, supposed to be treated like a big reveal and i'm like why why is this a reveal like i mean getting been, yeah she, she didn't have to show up to shoot a lot of scenes like okay cool getting back to that all of a sudden for some reason that triggered a reminder that the one thing in the gray man that i read oh no no it was in this sorry i thought it was in the gray man for some reason but no it's in I this mean, you know movies that a lot of money was spent with a lot of actors right, right. and a script that's not great and right yeah, yeah totally so so spoiler alert. So in this movie, Brad Pitt is taking on a job that was originally not for him. Uh, and 
this big Yakuza boss who's fucking a white dude. He's not fucking a white dude. He is a white dude. <laughs> um, uh, gathers all these people that like wronged him onto this train to kind of take them out. And then at the end, he's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill you such and such. And then Brad Pitt's like, that's not me. I'm, I'm the other guy. And then there, that was the biggest reveal to me was who that other guy is. And I yes. thought that was, I thought that was funny. I mean, there's a couple of cameos in this movie that are clever and that's a legit cameo. Not a, not a word is said. It's, it's, Amusing. Um, yeah. I, just a couple of nods. Aaron Taylor Johnson's fantastic in this as Tangerine. Brian yeah. Tyree Henry is fantastic in this as Lemon. Like they, yes. they steal every scene they're in. They're in a lot of Absolutely. scenes together. So it's yeah. like watching tennis of like great actors playing with a with fun dialogue. Like those scenes yeah. are so friggin' much fun. Um, Joey King, I really like. I was impressed with her. I also haven't seen her in a lot of things. John, We're gonna watch the princess so the prin- because of John. Her. John shoved the princess in front of me after I mentioned her. Uh, so I apparently I'm gonna watch that now. But I yep. really I liked her approach in this movie. I think like the the sort of sociopathic nature and the character that she portrays is fun and like it it's stereotypical but fun is the way I would put it. Um, and then I I you know last night I will say Bad Bunny uh he's he's got a presence like every yeah. scene he's in that he's a part of is believable is like it's it's surprising Uh, he's not a guy who's been on my radar he's not my type of music but like everything i've ever every time i come across him i'm always impressed and like this movie he absolutely holds his own against brad pitt in these scenes but also like he he owns every scene he's in like yeah um, and he holds his own. Yeah, he absolutely the camera, holds his own. Like, yeah. loves him. Like, yeah. he's a good looking guy. He's charismatic. It comes through, right? Like, he barely speaks English, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, like, assume anything, but. I mean, whether he does or not, like, he doesn't have a lot of lines in this movie. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's that's not what we're leaning into here is him speaking. It's it's yeah. it's his physicality. It's his presence. Yeah. It's his charisma that I the think. The camera is, loves that guy. Yeah. Um, he's um, really impressive. So we should we should for, jump to our actual review because, like, we're already yeah. an hour plus yeah. into this. Just final note is what a waste of Andrew Koji. Um, Andrew Koji is like one of the few um, Asian actors in this. Um, If you've ever seen the show Warrior, he's incredible in it. And and, you know, he was in that really crappy Snake Eyes movie, but whatever. I don't hold that against him. Um, (laughs) But he's so charismatic and he's so goddamn good. And what a fucking waste in this movie. I mean, unfortunate. Hiroyuki Sonata is amazing. Like, yeah, the little bit you get of him is like, I want way more of that guy's movie. Like he was the best part of that new Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, he's fantastic. Okay, yeah. uh, let's jump. Uh, so we're going to jump into Prey, but I think we have a pit stop to make first. Hold on. We got a uh, we need to talk about Predator. It's a movie oh, I watched this week. Oh, we're going to just start with yeah, this. We're starting here. Let's do this. You, you uh, motherfucker. So son of a bitch. One of John's favorite movies. I'm going red in the, in the, in the volume here. I'm just going to, I'm going to just, yeah, anyway. So sorry. jumping in, uh, we were, we were, we were watching, we both ended up watching Prey. It was going to be a thing we talked about. I think oh, we both yeah. realized how much more we loved Prey than we loved or even liked Bullet Train. So oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love the we, face you made because you, you yeah. thought I was going to talk about Predator, but I'm not. I'm talking about. Yeah. It. We went in. We went into like kind of the recording assignment of like what we're going to talk about. Yes, Bullet Train. We're like, oh, Bullet Train's coming out. We're definitely going to go see that. Uh, but man, Prey fucking knocked it so far out of the park. Yep. That you can't not talk about. And Listen, as far as my as far as my Twitter feed, nobody be talking about Bullet Train. No. Everybody be talking about Prey, and it's. And it's well deserved. We were talking about it before the before that we started recording. Like I feel like there was an NDA in place for the reviews of Prey before it dropped on Friday at midnight. Oh, midnight 
uh, going into Friday. Um, and then all of a sudden Twitter exploded. Like I've not seen this much positive reaction to a film in a long time. And it's, it's a film that's being dropped on Hulu. Um, it, it's in, in America, it's on Hulu in the UK, it's on Disney plus, which drives me crazy because Disney plus has Dolby Atmos and Hulu did not. Mm. I mean, like, you can easily just I like, change your IP but I was really from... mad. I was like, this is so dumb guys. Uh, I didn't well, want to have to, to be, be fair. The guy. It should be released in theaters. Let's just, I just, I, well, me, I just left a friggin' I, movie that was in IMAX that boy, I wish that theater had actually had prey in it instead. Yeah. Um, I guess the behind the scenes on this is it was during the Fox time. It was one of the merger and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. So any film that was released, uh, in a theater had to go directly to HBO max and couldn't go to Hulu. So, that's the decision was made not to provide more material to their competitor. Uh, so this got a streaming release. I hope and pray that Dan Trachtenberg also got a giant note of apology and a giant budget for whatever he wants to do next from the production company, because I mean, that guy is killing it. I, my, my entire, I wrote a review of this on geek on film and I spent the entire first paragraph, like talking about how much I am a fucking Dan Trachtenberg stan. The guy is amazing. I've been listening to him since Totally Rad Show, but everything he's made up to this point, every episode of television, his short film about Portal, 10 Cloverfield Lane, all of it, like it, I, I, everything he's made, I've enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we got to talk about, even though this is a prequel, suppose, I'm, uh, apparently this is the prequel to Predator, which is one of the best movies of all time. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I'm jazzed to just get into Prey, but if you want to talk about another amazing movie, we can talk about Predator. I just want to note that, like, I was really surprised. Like, I went back and watched Predator. I haven't seen it since. So that movie came out in what, like, the '80s? I think it was like '86, '87, somewhere in that time period. So I, take note of that. I mean, that's you know, yeah. Oh yeah, I know the time period, but like, it's amazing just how many, like, how it. How much that script way. wouldn't be made today um, and just how much that movie. Nothing is. from the 80s would have been made today. <laughs> Truth. Um, uh, you know, like I listen to the rewatchables and I feel like Bill Simmons often talks about like the end of the 80s is like they, they, they're coming out of the cocaine haze of all the producers of that. Era. Like this is a movie where somebody went into a theater, like went into a production company and said like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Alien. Let's go like they're going to fight, you know, like and that was that was what greenlit the film really in like lots of ways. Um, but I really do think like it, it's it's interesting. I don't think uh, that movie holds up as well today without you having a ton of nostalgia for it. I think some of the things do. I think the the actual alien itself, the predator, the, the Yaucha. The They're called Yauchas. Sorry, from Yaucha Prime. I, I, I'll, I'll defer to you uh, on on all things Yaucha, uh, but I think the the actual suit, the the effects for its like invisibility and things like that are amazing. Uh, but so on rewatchables, they do half ass internet research, and one of the things they talked about was that the alien's blood was made of three things: uh, a uh, a glow stick. Yeah. KY and Mountain Dew. Mm -hmm. Those were the three yeah. things they mixed. And it's it just perfect for this movie. Uh, it makes all the sense. Uh, I just think that like, I didn't love the film, but I really did enjoy the last 40 minutes when it was like Arnold and uh, what's the alien race again? 
the Yauchas. The Yauchas. When it was when it was a Yaucha and and Arnold going toe to toe, I I enjoyed that portion of the film a lot more. But there's so much craziness, like the sequences that take place where they like mow down an entire forest and like everybody's just on board. Guy just like mini gunning and no one Hell questions yeah. what's happening. They all just show up and they're like, "That guy's shooting into the woods." Uh, That's into right. The forest. We all shoot mm-hmm. into the forest. Yeah. Um, well, the, yeah. I it, mean, but you it's know, fun for sure. But it also like I it blew me away going back and watching it at this point. Like it was very funny well, to watch today. All right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to start. I mean, I'm not. I I I I, I totally hear what you're saying. Um, I will say that on every mobile device I own, I have this movie just in case I want to watch it at any point in time. <laughs> So I'm just going to say that. I mean, I know um, it was one of your f- favorites. So that's but, why I, also, I started this yeah. off with like, we're going to, because I knew right. it was but, coming. So, But you also have to think about like, you know, the this movie, you know, it generated like all the things that it it, it have come now since because of it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. On, and like many, over 13 year old John saw this film and was like, this is the greatest movie ever made. No. Well, yes, but also I was scared shitless when I first <laughs> saw it on VHS and I still own that VHS. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's got this is to me, this is like pinnacle Arnold. After yeah. this, he gets in like his career goes like he goes into like do, does like Eraser and all these other movies mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like uh, End of Days and all these other things. And but this is like this is like the pinnacle, I think, of Arnold's uh, career. And it's a you know, it's a Dirty Dozen movie like he wanted yeah. to make a Dirty Dozen movie. Um, so, you know, everyone like every everyone in his squadron has a personality, um, you know, Albeit some of them are are not as PC as they as PC is now, um, but everyone's got you know like it, and it's got yeah it's just like it's just oozing with testosterone and it, yes it is a product of its time, but but you can't you know like it's also John McTiernan like John McTiernan at his at, at some of his best you know yeah. um, and I don't I, you know you know John Claude Van Damme was supposed like started off as the the That's predator what I heard. and then, yeah <laughs> yeah and then but it was like more of an insectoid thing yep and like as they're filming it like they're like this effing sucks and then all of a sudden stan winston comes and like knocks it out of the park yeah and like how you know like I mean, the predator looks amazing it's unbelievable yeah. how much that still stands today like i was blown away by how much you believe when when the predator drops its invisibility that that creature is real and and yeah and feels of the place like you know just the like stitching itself up like with with whatever modern medicine it is using to do that like just all those little aspects are really clever and well taken care of like yeah and like you know like and you know taking taking everyone out uh one by one and and you know like you know that you know it wasn't called predator right away it was called the hunter because he actually is hunting people he's not he's not a predator you know um and they make a joke of that in the in the in the Shane Black re 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 make or the edition or whatever you want to call it the fourth movie in the is in the quote unquote franchise the predator because, or predator two or no the it's predator, the predator yeah. yeah um but uh yeah where am I going I mean I could talk for hours I hours about that. all right let's jump to uh, anyway it's yes it's it's one of the best movies of all time 
Done. Period. All right. I'm going to jump in and pray. Uh, I, I think we, we, we talked last uh, two weeks ago about the fact that I think that they should cast the gentleman at the top of the bear in the Marvel universe as Wolverine and Logan. I think, uh, forget me. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, let's take a step back. Amber mid thunder should be cast as X 23 and you should forget about Logan for a while. Uh, cause boy, she's fantastic. Uh, she's one of the most expressive faces I've seen in a film. Uh, in my review, I actually talk about the fact that like, you can tell how she feels just because of her eyes. Like, mm-hmm. is she scared? Is she intense? Is she ready to attack? It's all right there, right? Like it, it's amazing how much you get out of this woman um, and how little is verbal. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable how good this film is uh, with probably one of the shortest scripts written for an action film in a very long time. So there's so many long sequences with nothing said, but, but that's so the, much happening on the screen. Those are the, to me, those are the best action movies. It's like, yes, you can write like three words on one page and that's going to take two months worth of shooting right. because <laughs> a lot happens in those three, those three words. So just to kind of really quick for, you know, people who may not have seen prey. Yes. Like we just talked, it's, it's kind of a, a prequel uh, to Predator and all the movies that have come uh, since then. And um, it takes place in uh, 17... I don't know the exact date. 1719, I, I, I think, was the date. Yeah, it takes place in 1719 uh, in the American frontier. Um, and uh, it uh, follows uh, a, uh, the Comanche Nation, specifically um, a young girl who wants to be uh, a warrior for the Comanche nation, but she, you know, she's being oppressed, she, you know, everyone doesn't believe in her. Um, well, I think that's also really subtle in the way that it's led to, right? Like if you go back and rewatch it, like every day her brother wakes her up by shoving her as he goes by yeah, and he's sure. going off to hunt and she's going off to gather. And I think yeah. it's a really beautiful moment when you get to the final ro- scene and she's walking the opposite direction. The hunters are all going in, uh, in one direction and all the gatherers are heading in another. And and yeah. I just love the subtlety of that in the way that it's shot. Like she makes the final decision to not go in the direction of gathering and, yeah. and watches. And then you watch the entire tribe have to reckon with her walking the other way. And mm-hmm. no one says anything, but it's all silently like them either accepting it, judging her. It, it's, it's really crazy. Like those little moments in that film, I think are so well handled. Oh, absolutely. And, um, and you know, one of the, one of the cool things about this is that, <sighs> The Predator, to me, isn't really the big bad of this movie. Um, and I say that because, you know, um, l- you know, there there's not just the Comanche Nation in um, in this movie. There's also uh, French furriers in this movie and they're they're fucking way worse. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm super I mean, but they're also, you know, it, it goes to sh- it, it, it paints the picture of like the travesties that happened, uh, on this land, um, you know, early on where, and maybe, you know, the predator isn't the only predator, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so there's, you know, there's, there's things like that. Um, and also it, it you know, it also gives us people to fucking kill yeah. <laughs> really in really amazing ways. And, you know, that's the that's one of the interesting things about, you know, like being a fan of all the Predator movies, you know, they try to like up the ante with the Predator technology in every one of the movies. And it doesn't always 
work that well. But this way, you kind of see where the technology came from. Like in this in, in this movie, they're calling this Yaucho or this predator the feral predator. He, you know, it's I don't want to give it a pronoun, but it's you know, um, it's it's a predecessor of like the one that we see in in the Arnold movie. Uh, and it's 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 technology is more basic. Uh, it's still very ahead of its time for mm-hmm. the time period. Um, but the mask is like skull based. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really have like a, a like a plasma cannon per se. It's got more of like uh, a, like a an aim spear shooter thing. Yep. It's got a really cool shield. Um, yeah, so yeah, shield is the, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the design of this of this monster, as it were, is is really incredible the the you know all predators have like or all yauchas have like dreadlocks and these dreadlocks were like thinner and everything then i thought that was really cool i have one only one gripe about this movie i'll just get it out of the way okay i think like like uh i think this the the stan winston design for the predator face is like perfect mm-hmm. when you first see that in in the arnold movie yep it's it's iconic and they've and in the second movie they stick to it but then like in the AVP movies, they kind of stick to it. But then like when, when, um, Robert Rodriguez, I think did the predators movie, mm-hmm. he kind of like ushered in this, like there are different, you know, subspecies of, of yauchas or predators. And then they started messing with like the facial designs. The face in this is, is, a, is different. Um, but so like, I wish it was the predator face from the first one. It's not, a minor gripe yeah. because everything else in this movie is so damn awesome. Yeah. I, I think I, I was blown away by this film. I, I can't believe how good it looks. I can't believe um, how much time this movie gives for you to breathe in it. Uh, it it's, it's not, it's not this like rapid fire action film. It's a film that like sets up the stakes and allows yeah. the characters to grow like Nauru, the 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 character played by Amber Mid Thunder, uh, you see her become a better warrior through this film. Like she learns how to hunt with like her her tomahawk Dude, the, on a string. The, like also the dog in this movie is like one of the like like we're talking like Lassie Benji this dog. <laughs> Oh, it's I, like he, I literally said, so good. I said the other day to my dog, Max, I was like, that dog is way better than you. Like that dog <laughs> way better than you. Like across the board, uh, the fight sequences where the dog is a part of it and feels like, like Nauru is directly connected to the dog and they have this unspoken bond, but also a spoken bond. She speaks yeah. in Comanche to the dog. She also does sign language to the dog at times. Like it's unbelievable how connected the dog is into her world and how intense it feels that that dog knows what she's doing. Like at one point, the dog's tail gets caught in a fur trapper's trap and it doesn't lose its crap on her. It realizes she's trying to help Um, as a person who has a dog whose paw got caught in a trap uh, and bit my wife while she was trying to help him. It was unbelievable to see that play out in the movie that this dog recognized it was being helped. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, but I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking about representation before and what this I mean, first and foremost, uh, 
you you can li- you can watch this movie in Comanche. Yes. In like in a, there's a Comanche dub, and that's that's I, when I found that out, I was like, that's the only way I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I honestly don't think I can watch it uh, any other way. Um, it is so engrossing hearing and and to be fair, they shot the movie in English and then they went back and they dubbed the they overdubbed it with yep. Comanche and I'm I'm fine with it because honestly they fooled me up until like I was like three quarters of the way into the movie and I was like oh oh there the there was a little bit of like that the you know it didn't sync up yeah uh, but but I thought it, I thought they just I thought they had reshot every scene in Comanche yeah um my thought was like there's one person that speaks english one of the fur trappers and my thought was like can you imagine i watched it with the english in english because hulu didn't present it first as two options there was a tab you you had to to find find it it. yeah so i was gonna watch it in comanche but i ended up watching it in english and all i kept thinking was like if you got to that scene which is an hour and 10 minutes or so into the film and the first time you heard english how that, powerful yes. that would have been in that moment. Yes, absolutely. Um, Dude, that's what, and, but this is the, and so, yes, I, I, what you're saying is what I felt. Yeah. Because just kind of like the grand, the grandness of the cinematography and the, and how small the cast is. Yeah. Like me not like having to kind of like really follow along uh, with the, with the Comanche dialogue and read the subtitles and hear, hear the Comanche language. It fully engrosses you. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, Oh. And the cool thing was, and I don't know if this is like with my, the way that Hulu's on my television streaming, or if this is just the way it is when the furriers come and they're speaking French, it's French subtitles so i didn't know what i didn't know what the fuck they were saying and it was awesome that's awesome because i felt like i was now on board with the protagonist uh not knowing what they were saying and only until you get to the interpreter does he even interact with her yep and um and i thought that was really great I, I think if you're, if you're going to watch it again, dude, yeah. you got to watch it. In I, I, it's incredible. One thing I really want to note is Dan Trachtenberg and Patrick Asen, who wrote, it was Dan's idea, I think, and he did the story and he helped do some of the writing. Like they worked it out together. There, also, just want to, just really quick, Dan Trachtenberg was inspired by the Native American character in the first movie. I mean, to of, thusly of write course. This. I mean, how could you not be? I mean, Billy is an incredible character. Billy's an important character. Uh, That actor, Sonny, uh, yeah, I can't remember his last name now, but uh, he's, he, uh, apparently there's a lot of great stories about him. You should go listen to him. They had to hire security detail to to protect everyone else from him. Correct. Yes. That's what I heard also. Um, also, He's also the only person who tried to run for government in this movie that didn't win because you've got, you've got. You've got Arnold and you've got, I know um, what's his McCall Jesse, the Minnesota. body, Jesse, the body. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just want to know, uh, I, there's so much in the script. That's really clever. Like the, the use of water, um, you know how the, we, we see it in the first movie in predator, the, the, the understanding and recognition that heat is important. Um, mm-hmm. the fact that you have this woman with less technology and less knowledge about technology and science, deciphering what's going on the the like Mm -hmm. tractor beams being where the bolts are going that are like uh almost like bolts out of a 
like an like an arrow, uh, those kind of things. And then the and utilizing that later on, and then the like Chekhov's. I, I called it Chekhov's mud puddle, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it, it felt like in in Act Two she fell into a mud puddle, and you're like that might come back, and like but not like obviously. And then when you get to the ending, right. and you're like, wow, uh, yeah, cool, cool. Like there's so much of that that's cleverly led in. It's not a puzzle box movie, but like everything that she's learning throughout her entire movie experience comes into the finale. Um, whether it's the way she uses her weapon, whether it's fighting with, whether it's her and the dog, whether it's, it's all of it, right? Like the, 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 the fact that she's an herbalist and actually makes medicine and one of the medicines lowers your body temperature yes. and they're cold, like just, she realizes ways to figure, she figures out very cleverly the things that are actually impacting the predator. Um, yeah. And I think, I think also like all, all those things that you're mentioning as someone who like can almost repeat the original movie to you. It's one of those situations where it was so well done in this that I wasn't like, Oh, I know why you're doing that. Yeah. It was like, yes, yeah. yes, do it. Yeah. I know uh, you, th- you just keep doing that. Cause it's going to be real helpful later. You know, <laughs> like I was, I was on board. Um, um, I think we should call out Dakota Beavers, uh, her brother tab tab. He was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Tabe Tabe Tabe. I think is his name. Uh, he was f- unbelievable, like believable yeah. as not just a Comanche warrior, believable as her brother, believable as like a guy who wants her to succeed, but also wants her to be realistic in her society. Like it, it's just so complicated and he's there the whole time. Like every moment yeah. you have with him and her feels like siblings and, and it's beautiful, yeah. you know? And you know, like early on you, he could have been, if it, if it wasn't done right, he could have just been like the asshole person yeah. who is standing in her way from achieving her goals. But he, there he's, he's, it's very layered, you know, like he, he's kind of the golden, the golden one in the, in the, um, in the tribe. Um, and she's kind of like the unsung hero that yep. you know, kind of helps him. Um, and you think that that's going to be all it is. But then, no, you're like, you start to feel for him. Because, like, early on, I think you're made to hate him. Or, yeah. like, you're supposed to. But then you just, you're like, oh, my God. Like, I don't want it. I don't, I don't, like, everyone, I don't want anyone to, you know, fall to the predator. And, um, But, yeah, yeah. Kudos to him as well. Kudos to everybody. I mean, this was so well done. I hope this. I hope that this is proof that there's still life in the Predator franchise. I think once they kind of, you know, kind of tried to tie them in with uh, the aliens for like a money grab situation, it became really wishy-washy and and and, and not great, to be yeah. honest. I still like those movies, but, you know, I also like the terrible 2019 shark movie with Alyssa Silverstone. So <laughs> that's, there's your benchmark. But, um, but this, I think as like, like if you have to, you know, like as, as sci-fi action films and not action movies, yeah. like, I feel like this opens the door for like, dude, you can like treat the predators, the yauchas, whatever you want to call them as with like, with like some respect, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and you know, like everyone's talking about like, oh my God, we, we can now take this into different time periods. And yes, by all means, like, let's go to feudal Japan. Let's go to like, um, I have a friend who does a podcast about like Filipino culture and everything like that. And like, you know, like before, like the Spanish conquered the Philippines, like we were some fucking badass warriors who were like headhunters and stuff. Let's go there. Yeah. You know, um, I think this really opens the door. And I think that, that there is money 
for the studio yep. to not like shoot them into the future, but maybe like send them back in the, during the past, like Vikings versus predators. Come on. Like let's, let's get, uh, let's get the Norsemen versus <laughs> predator. You know what I mean? I agree. I think it's funny. Like uh, I've been listening to a lot of rewatchables and one of the things they talk about is like uh sequel, all black cast prestige TV show, right? Like what would it be better as? And I think there is a prestige TV show of, you know, of predators where you drop a predator in for like a three episode arc into a time period, right? Like mm. I-, I think there's an absolute, like you establish who the people are in that universe the, the, the beginning of the second episode is when it drops in and then it starts hunting. And by the end of the episode, some of them die and sometimes the predator wins, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's, I think there's absolutely positively a possibility here of like a prestige TV show that has some money that, that can work this storyline. But I think it would be unbelievable that to like, even if it was like a Dan Trachtenberg or somebody like that, who was going to oversee it, right. Maybe right. Be the if he was like executive the producer or the showrunner, right. He's proven that he understands this milieu and these, and these characters really well. If yeah. you had the tone and tenor that he brought to this movie, uh, I don't want to lock him up for the next five years, but I also think like, do do it. No, no. Lock the big him question down. is what do you do with Dan Trachtenberg next? Right? Like this is the last thing I wanted to talk about. Like if you were going to hand him one thing to do next, what do you give him? Um, I, I give him if I have my druthers, I would give him Fantastic Four. I would say like, go. He's proven he can do genre sci-fi. I, I, I would go fantastic. Bring that. bring Galactus to the table. Bring us bring us the first family. Right, like that's right, what right. I want to see. Um, yeah, I hear that. Uh, I don't know how much you've uh, read or anything about um, like how this links with the other movies. Um, and this is full full spoilers now, okay. right? But like, are you aware that the gun that she keeps in this movie is appears in the finale of Predator Two? I, I was not aware of that. So this these are all spoilers. But so at the end, so Predator Two takes place in. You think Predator? You think you had issues? I, with I Predator hear Predator 1. Two is not. Not no, great. you yeah. You go watch Predator Two. You strap in. <laughs> you you have a couple drinks and just you you can you have to just laugh. It's Danny Predator Glover, 2. Danny Glover, right? And St- and 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 Dave and uh, Busey. Busey's in right. it too. And Busey in L.A. during the drug war. Yeah. In I think two thousand in the year two thousand or the year nineteen ninety nine. Whatever. In the but year two thousand. Like the future. It's like the future of nineteen ninety nine. But whatever. <laughs> It's yeah, I'm like, dude, like to hear the stuff that comes out of these people's mouths in this movie. Anyway, it's a great, great predator stuff. But at the end of the movie, Danny Glover wins. At the end of this, at the end of Predator 2, he 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 defeats the predator inside its own spaceship that has like kind of like nestled itself in the subway system somehow. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> is that and then what happened? The, the, the skull of the alien is that what triggered yes, all that? that? Yeah, that's what that's what. There's a head of um of a, a xenomorph, yep. as some people don't call them. They just call them aliens. Blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> uh, same as the Yautra. I mean, it's cool. Um, you could be that guy. <laughs> Whatever. I, everyone's going to hate me. It's cool. I don't care. Um, so anyway, yeah, you see like the, the you see like the trophy room and then he beats the predator. And then all of a sudden, like all these all these laser tags hit not, not like the toy, but like the lasers hit Danny Glover. And then all this these all these predators come out of like the invisibility. And he's like, oh, I'm going to die. And then they all kind of pick up the predator that just died and take him away. And then like the like 
the chief predator uh, looks over at looks over at Danny Glover, pulls out the same gun because it was a tro- it's it's somehow is a trophy yep. for that predator and gives it to Danny Glover as a trophy. How you can definitely link them together is apparently I haven't gone back to confirm this. The date on that gun in the Danny Glo- that Danny Glover holds is the same date as this movie. Ah. So it goes there even is further. There's a plate on the gun. They show yeah. that for sure. Yep. Yeah, so it goes even further. So at the end of so he gives him so the 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 head predator gives Danny Glover that that trophy. Yeah. And as he walks away and becomes invisible and is like get the f out of my spaceship Danny Glover, he he sheaths a sword. Oh. That's the sword that is handed to Batman in the Batman versus Predator comic book that was like the first crossover of like Predator with like some pop culture person. And that comic is goddamn awesome if you haven't read it because <laughs> the Predator gets his ass beat by Batman with a fucking baseball bat. <laughs> but before that, Batman gets his ass whooped by the Predator and has to put on all his armor, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of that movie, <laughs> obviously, or at the end of that comic book series, spoiler, the Predator does get defeated. Same thing happens. And Batman gets handed this sword. Uh-huh. Now, I believe... That's a samurai sword. Oh, and now oh. everyone's talking about how they need to do a movie in feudal Japan. Yeah, and that would be great. But also, at the end of this movie, maybe it's a prequel to Bullet Train. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. He was the he yeah the the there was a yaucha on that bullet train. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was just sitting but, there invisible. Yeah, he's like this. Th- these idiots are gonna kill one another. What are these cool. white people doing? <laughs> am I in? Am I in? Yeah. Um, but but um, at the end of this movie, you know, there's there's the kind of the credit sequence. Yep. And at the end of this credit sequence, um, it kind of sets up a second one. Yep. Where if they go that direction, we we would have this cast come back, which I'm totally cool with. Yeah. But but again, it's like they knocked it out of the park with this. Where they go is and who they have leading, like steering the ship is very important. So yeah, whatever Dan Trachtenberg wants, give it to him. Yeah, and like and like. But the thing also is like, we we talking Disney money now, right? I mean, like yeah, like twenty twentieth century studios is the new touchstone for Disney. Yeah. Like if they want to make R-rated movies, it comes out under this umbrella and not Touchstone anymore. Yep. Thanks, Basic Instinct. You know what I mean. <laughs> um. So, have at it, guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's proven that he can make money with a tiny budget, with a slightly larger budget, in other people's universes. He he can he can work in a genre of other people's like actual rules. Uh, and, and I think we should just let him do what he wants to do. like, he should be able to pitch like five ideas and some producers should say like, okay, we're going to green light two of them. Let's get after one you do the next prey movie, maybe pray again or something like they're that. like, hear us out, do pray to <laughs> eat, pray, love. <laughs> and, and then you can do whatever you want. It's the same thing with like the Russos. It was like, you know, make two of the highest grossing movies of all time. And then we'll let you do whatever you want. I, uh, yeah, we got to go. But I, I, my, my last well, question is, are the Russo brothers coming back to do Secret Wars? 
Because no, no. Well, he said they're not coming back to do. Uh, well, the, Kang the guy who Dynasty. right, the, yeah, right. The guy who the guy who did Shang Chi is doing that yep. one. Uh, I don't know, dude. I That's think the Dan one Dragon they want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one they wanted to come back for. If they were going to come back for anything, they've talked about it a couple times. That if they get to Secret Wars. That would be something they'd be interested in. So I was wondering, like, is that something they hold for D23 this year to just be like, and the Russo brothers hot off right. of the mess that was Gray Man. We're going to give them the next big movie at the end of phase three, phase six, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I think they should give it to um, uh, uh, the director from. Uh, Black Panther, Ryan Coogler. I think they should give it to him. I, I'm interested to see if Coogler actually signs on to do anything after Wakanda Forever. Uh, yeah, because that, that movie, trailer looks I, awesome, dude. I just saw it again today in IMAX. The trailer oh deserves my God. awards. Yeah. Like, um, I like when you you know because like you know because when they released it, you like everyone looks on their phone and they see it on the phone. Yeah, and then when I I forgot what movie I saw, but like I you know you see it on the big screen, you're like, oh god, that yeah. that whale's huge. I saw it in IMAX today. I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really interested to see where that movie goes and, and a, like I'm excited for it in so many ways, but I am excited to see what Coogler, what his next announcement is, like where yeah. he decides to go after this, because I could easily see him stepping away from the Marvel ecosystem at this totally. point. Um, but I'm also so interested to see where that movie goes. Like, I think the representation that we get in, in that film as Namor, I, I, it's a film that is like actually paying attention to all these other aspects of representation because Coogler is an amazing director who believes in like bringing stories to light that in this Marvel universe that are also sort of like honest stories of people. Like, like I like I'm, I'm almost speechless with if, if you just think of the idea and I know we could talk about this in a different episode, but, but really quick, like if you can just think of the idea. So, what like think about what black panther did for representation yep. you know in 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 film and then all of a sudden you 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 follow that up with the sequel and you open the t- and you bring another minority to the table mm-hmm. and you open the door for them like how incredible is that you know and and, and that there it appears as though the Atlanteans are like Mayan and Aztec influence. Yeah, and, like, and, uh, and there is question on whether or not they're going to actually be called Atlanteans in this because of, because, you know, Jason Momoa beat him to the punch. And also, what, you know what really, what now what I'm like. grinds my gears. I can You know see what it. grinds my gears? I'm like, dude, Warner Brothers, Jason Momoa. Yeah. Like you did, you did, you did, you did some things right in that movie. And I actually really like Aquaman. I think it's kind of fun and popcorn movie, uh-huh. but like if like, but everyone's white in that, like in Atlantis. Yeah. Like, and I get that you're like the two different worlds that you're from are like, you know, like isn't, isn't the actor who played Boba Fett, his dad in that movie. Yes. So like, I get that you're from two worlds that way, but it's like, why does this underwater superpower have to be so white? Yeah. I don't know. All right, let's say anyway. let's end with Prey is awesome. If you haven't seen it and we haven't spoiled it for you, uh, we can't spoil it because the movie yeah. is gorgeous. It's unbelievable. The action's fantastic, and it is introducing us to an amazing group of actors that have that have yes. not actually gotten this type of like large scale presence in anything up to this point uh, in, in yes. front of a large scale uh, audience. 
So I, I'm so excited. If this is the first time you've seen a Dan Trachtenberg movie or vehicle, uh, strap in, go back and watch uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, unbelievable. And uh, honestly, go see, seek out his short. It's on his, on his YouTube. Uh, it's called awesome. portal. I forget what it is. It's like a portal with a colon and then two words, but it's like a six minute and 98 second, like short it set in the portal universe where you actually get to see the person who is under the helmet. You, it, it's, it's fantastic. Oh, cool. It's so much fun. Um, and yeah, I think we'll leave it there. And I think for next week, we're, we're trying to figure out for the next podcast, we're trying to figure out what the next thing we're going to be reviewing is. I think yeah. I'm going to see bodies, bodies, bodies. So that might be it. If Marcel, the shell, you know, we need to get our friends to get Marcel, the shell in more theaters so we can watch it. Uh, cause I desperately want to shine a spotlight on it. Uh, I, yeah. I love the character. I love Jenny slate. So, um, and, and John has a personal connection to that movie. So I would love for us to get a chance to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, we're running long, but because we're so excited about Prey, yeah. uh, you should definitely go see it and definitely, um, definitely watch. I mean, I think if you can, if you can find, I know it's a little hard to find actually the Comanche dub. Yeah. It's, it says Comanche dub on Hulu. I, I highly recommend watching it that way first. You'll, you won't go back. Yeah. And um, I'm going to watch it again, probably with my wife, maybe tonight. We'll see. Yeah, make dinner I'm trying to decide if I can convince my wife to watch it. If I can, it's definitely going to be fun to do that because it's not the type of movie she goes out of her way to see. Yeah. But I think she'll reckon with the characters in ways that show she's her, not expecting. I, I think if you show her the trailer, because in the trailer, I showed my wife the trailer and she was like, okay, I can see that there's parts of that movie I'm not going to like, but there's a lot <laughs> that she actually was like, oh, that, that looks interesting. Yeah. So maybe I'll just close my eyes or whatever, you know? And, and predator uh, versus bear is a pretty amazing scene. Like we, we didn't get into yes. a lot of details, but like that is uh go, go follow Dan Trachtenberg on Twitter. And he retweeted an image of a comic book cover that has that represented. Made, yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And it's perfect. Well, yeah, I mean, there's Predator versus a lot of like animals yeah. in this, and they're all really cool, actually. Yeah, um, the bear one yeah. is like striking. Don't even moment. get. Like, I mean, yeah, but like, don't even get me started. We can keep going if you want to. Okay, mean, we're gonna end it there. If you want to. We'll uh, we'll be dropping this this week. Is what my my guess is. Uh, we were talking about doing it biweekly, but we landed two films uh, and we're able to record because we were both available. So um, I expect it will drop this week, uh, and then uh, we'll probably be back on schedule for every two weeks. Uh, John and I are going to see each other in person, which is super exciting. So um, I will leave it there and we'll come back and uh, be ready to talk about whatever awesome stuff we've watched since, since the last time we talked. The princess, perhaps. Ooh, yes. That's on my cue. Uh, thank you so much, you John. Go. This has been really fun. Uh, yeah, I, knew, absolutely. I knew it would be a fun conversation. And uh, just for the record, you're still wrong about Predator, uh, but it's cool. Uh, and we'll leave Son it there. Of a bitch. Have a good day. This has been a Geek on Film podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.